Okay, it says recording in progress. So I think we're good to go. Make Whoops. sure it's recording to the cloud though, not to we... your computer. Blake says it is. Okay. <laughs> and are we waiting for Christine? She or... will be joining shortly remotely. So yeah, but she's she told me that she's probably five or ten minutes out at minimum. Well, we really don't need. I want to just get started with the beginning part. Uh, my watch says it's six oh one. So to that extent, uh, we're going to start this process. Before we get going, we have a little bit of housekeeping to deal with. Um, number one, I'd like to go through the posting requirements. So. In those cases where it's applicable, the subject property has been posted, adjoining property noted, property owners have been noticed. This agenda was published in the newspaper, was published in the Rock County website, and I think was also published or posted outside this room. Uh, it should be noted that all documents and comments specific to the petitions this evening um, that have been received prior to Tuesday, I believe, 72 hours, uh, become automatically become part of the uh, record. Most of our meetings are in person as evidenced by the fact that we're all here. However, we do have the Zoom feature. And for those of those that are participating by Zoom, I'd appreciate it if you maintained uh, a mute status unless you're going to be making comments or addressing the commissioners. Uh, for those that are here, I'd appreciate it if your phones are silenced. We included. Um, uh, back to the Zoom in just a minute, but I don't know if it's really important here. If uh, someone that is on the Zoom screen needs to speak or would like to get our attention, there's a raise your hand function typically at the bottom of the screen. If that doesn't work, um, I suppose just interrupt us and yell out and we'll find you, no problem. Um, and after that, uh, for the balance or for the for the benefit of the petitioners that are here, just a kind of a routine that we go through, we'll typically uh, start with your comments and a brief narrative and a description of the purpose of your being here, the petition. After that, uh, we'll have staff present a narrative and their comments and findings as well. Then we'll go into questions from the commissioners to either party. Uh, next, we'll open it up to public comment. Uh, then I'll close the public comment. Then we'll typically debate and see if we can't come to a conclusion on the petition. So with that, I'd like to call to order the June 29th meeting of the Route County Planning Commission. Sarah, are you doing your thing? Or you want me to uh, do it? I, I can if you want me to, or you guys can just tell me who's there, whatever you want. Well, I think we're all here other than Greg Jager. All right, well, let's just, I'll just run through the tenants and then we'll have it. Okay, fine. Okay, Steve Warnke. Yep. Brian Kelly. Yes. Andrew Benjamin. Here. Linda Miller. Here. Bill Norris. Here. Greg Jager. Uh, Jim DeFrancia? Present. Ren Martin? No, Ren. Uh, Paul Weiss? And Pete Wood? Here. Got it. So, Thank you. Cora. Thank you, Sarah. 
Um, for staff, we have Michael Fitz, Blake Kelly, and Alan Goldich. Christy will be joining us, I believe, eventually. Thinking correctly, based on my hearing. So, now that we've called this to order, um, first order of business would be public comment. Anyone from the public that wishes to address the commission on any topic that is not on the agenda this evening, now would be the time to do so. And because this room is rather small, I'm not seeing anybody around that wants to talk to us about that. So that will move on to first item of consideration, PL 20230043180 Outdoors Inc. and Wolf Mountain Ranch. This is a conditional use permit to continue conducting hunting operations from a hunting camp that has existed for 35 years. Had to put that in there, didn't we? <laughs> um, I'm guessing someone from Wolf Mountain and is wishing to address, and am I looking at the guy that's going to talk to us? Sure, I'm going to let Steve talk. Okay, fine. So I'm Steve Zanonanachek with 180 Outfitters, 180 Outdoorsing, and um, this is an application for continuing the hunting operation on Wolf Mountain Ranch that we had in place. I've been the, the outfitter for the last six years, going on six years now. Um, so this is really just to get into compliance with a lot of the county regulations and make sure we're doing everything um, above board and that's where we want to be. So. You might, Steve, want to describe your business bit, just to give them a feel for what we're requesting. <clears throat> So I don't know what Blake may have in his presentation, but um, we run a pro we run within a program called Ranching for Wildlife. It's a cooperative program, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. That agreement is between Wolf Mountain Ranch and CPW. I'm the operator, so to speak, that would then put that um, on the ground and oversee all the uh, um, oversee that program and its implementation. There's two parts to the program. There's a private hunting side and a public hunting side. The private hunting side is um, has been 60 hunting uh, licenses, vouchers that are given to the Wolf Mountain Ranch that we operate on per year. So we're running 60 hunts per year. And then we have a segment of the public that come on the ranch. Um, that's kind of the trade-off in the program. And we're running um, about 50 public hunters, bull hunters and cow hunters through that. I manage that operation, that portion of it as well. Uh, we are done. We begin no earlier than the 2nd of September every year. That's by regulation, CPW regulation. And then we'll end uh, this year. It's going to be a bit longer, but right before Thanksgiving, November 22nd. So um, really with the public, uh, that second week of November is typically going to be completed. Um, the private side, which is what we're really here for, is six weeks of operation, this week moving to seven. We've incorporated about 4,500 more acres. That's giving us a little bit longer season and that uh, and more licenses with that. So we're running um, a full camp for seven weeks this year. And I might add that the business operation has evolved from basically wall tents. My Mr. Waltrip and executives from Service Corporation International were there in that process that went into Cook Shack, that went into cabins and that type of thing, but very, uh, very much the time to get everything compliant. I have to commend County because I do this a lot in my former life. 
as a developer, now I'm an end developer doing conservation easements and enjoying hunting properties. Um, this will probably be the extent of conditional or special use permits. I, when it first came up, I indicated to Alan that I didn't want to be a participant in that. We don't run commercial operations there. We do have a professional in Steve there, 180 outdoors, and the limits of the conditional use permit use will be hunting on North Mount Ranch, all 17,805 remaining acres. I don't anticipate coming before you in the future for those type of operations, um, because what makes Wolf Mountain, quite frankly, a special place that it is, it's the, I call it the catcher's mint uh, for all the development activity that's happening in this valley floor, including Emerald Mountain. And it's an important piece. We make, we conserve 85% of that ranch uh, into perpetuity and it'll stay there. But being the catcher's mint, we have adjacent property owners that are wonderful, like Smith Ranch over at Eric Smith. And in the most recent one, we brought the PDR because we're bringing another conservation easement of print. We quickly found out that we have about 50,700 acres and a 10 uh, mile radius of Wood Mountain Ranch. It has either been conserved or wildlife study area or uh, federal grounds. When we started, I started with the Carpenter Ranch and then that evolves at Wood Mountain. And that amassing has been very good. But what makes it special, long story short, is not how many people come in on that airport, but how many people don't come to Wood Mountain. So we enjoy um, that for the wildlife. So it's I call it Rapp County Serengeti now, that area, not just not just Wood Mountain, but what we have in County Road 56 all the way down to the river. So we examined doing other activities. We're not going to request other activities. It may not be germane at this point in time, but it may be to some of you. Um, the hunting operation is a management operation, which we envisioned quite a long time ago as it relates to the ranching for wildlife component. And we enjoy the ranching for wildlife component. It does give uh, them recognition because the last season I did, Joan, is phase five was an $8.6 million grant in which we donated $8.6 million to CPW. At that point in time, that was the biggest easement that they had done was the DOW at that point in time. So we have um, conservation values that we have to maintain. Part of those conservation values maintaining purebred cattle and this hunting operation because management of those occurrences and, and the education that they get off of that because they have free reign to come to the ranch and do study areas. Basically includes having an operation that hunting is very important to our management. It's similar to the way we run cattle in certain areas. We don't run cattle across the entire ranch. You don't have to as a conservation easement, but the majority we do. And we ask little of the resource, not a lot of the resource, so we don't ask a lot of our neighbors except during hunting season to tolerate that activity. And there's a lot more animals out there than there as human beings, and we intend to keep it that way. But we appreciate the opportunity to bring that up to speed, um, meaning our whole operation now, because it has involved in to a fairly big operation at this point in time. We enlarged this year by adding Karen Utterback's properties to our ranching for wildlife program. But that's probably about the limit in which we're dealing with. We're talking about less than 12 occupants, so we stay out of a public water system. 
um, we're just going to work under uh, this basic density from now on, uh, especially with the tough wildlife year we had this year. Makes sense to do that, but uh, it's very appreciative on our part to be able to bring this compliant. I know now that you have a lot of uh, camps that have all from tent camps, and I've dealt with Scott in the past because of us Peabody together and other things. But it's time that we do that. It doesn't. It's not a burden on us. It's better for us to be honest. So I just. And enjoy not having to come to these meetings anymore, but I certainly appreciate you both. <laughs> we understand. The more I get to know people there, I love my horses. You know how it is. <laughs> I think Brent makes a couple of really good points, at least on my end, from my previous life. I was a district wildlife manager for Parks and Wildlife. So that's how I got to be um, involved with the ranch, which was over 20 years ago, and then involved into this over time. And I took over the hunting side of of their operations, um, the conservation easements are huge. And it was really Jim Haskins that started that uh, with Wolf Mountain Ranch. But it was his idea that we would have easements from Highway 40, Wolf Mountain, Smith Rancho, all the way to the National Forest. Um, I'm a little surprised, uh, not because of Haskins, but maybe because of some of the, the neighbors, that that actually came to fruition over time. It's pretty awesome. So um, that is in and of, of itself, great for wildlife in Route County. Um, the CPW does ask, this program is based on getting pressure harvest on elk on private ranches where they're typically not able to do that or weren't able to do it. So that was the basis of the program uh, many decades ago when they, when they initiated it. Um, it's kind of evolved from there to much more than that, but it's still the basis to redistribute elk during prime times of year. So a lot of public hunters have access to them either on the ranch or off the ranch as they're moving through the landscape. So um, the harvest is important for us to help the CPW manage the elk on the property. They're using the program to do that. Thank you very much. Blake, new guy, this is your first. All right. You're on. Here I go. Um, before I begin, I would just like to start by saying I had a site visit to Wolf Mountain Ranch and I was able to observe firsthand the operation that they have going and I was just genuinely so impressed by how it's being run and so I ask for your forgiveness and understanding as I read from this as I want to genuinely represent their operation well. So good evening planning commissioners, applicants and members of the audience. Thank you all for your time and being present to hear this application. This application is for a general conditional use permit to allow for the use of permit staging, permanent staging facilities as part of a commercial hunting operation. 180 Outdoors, a Colorado licensed outfitter, has partnered with Wolf Mountain Ranch to offer big game hunting in Northwest Colorado. This application arrived to us via our compliance division. Therefore, the aim of this application is to bring the usage of the staging facilities associated with the hunting operation into compliance with Route County zoning regulations. 180 Outdoors leases approximately 18,500 acres from Wolf Mountain Ranch and employs six guides and one camp cook for a maximum of 35 days during the big game hunting seasons. The hunt camp itself is nestled in the north central portion of Wolf Mountain Ranch and has an impact area of 35 acres. Including staff, there will be a maximum of 20 individuals in camp for each five day hunt week. 
All individuals sign a Wolf Mountain Ranch and 180 Outdoors liability waiver before accessing the property. The hunting camp is not commercially occupied during the remainder of the year and is generally not used by the ranch family or personnel for any purposes other than hunting camp. The hunting camp is closed during all winter months. Hunting, private or commercial, without permanent staging facilities is used by right in the agricultural and forestry zoning district. Hunting, fishing facilities are a conditional use requiring a public hearing. This use classification is intended to accommodate large operations with large permanent base camps and staging facilities. Staff does not anticipate significant impacts from the operation to adjacent properties, wildlife, or use of the county roads used for access. Colorado Parks and Wildlife was sent a referral for comment and no response was received. Route County Environmental Health is working with the applicant to permit the retail food operations and septic system at this time. All adjacent landowners received a public notice and no comments were received to date. If approved, there's a five business day appeal period before the permit will be issued. The applicant indicates that hunting operations conclude by the third week in October and the camp is closed for winter. As such, no measures are required for snow removal or storage. In the event of wildfire or natural hazard, the applicant has an emergency mitigation plan in place. The wildfire portion of the emergency mitigation plan has been activated multiple times in the past and has been wildly successful in preventing loss of life or property. The existing structures and activities are not located in any wetlands or floodplains, nor are they located on steep slopes. Other than gasoline for the UTVs and a few propane tanks, there are no hazardous materials stored on site. Um, as you can see, we have an indication of the site plan up in front of us, and it's a great uh, aerial overview of the various facilities that um, are part of this staging facility. We'll go into a little bit more detail here, and we have some visuals of the accommodations. On the top row are uh, one of the guest cabins as well as the bathhouse, and then on the bottom row we have the other two guest cabins. And then on this uh, page we have the guide cabin, the staff cabin, and then the mess hall with interior storage. There are four different options for the planning uh, commission to make their decision, either to approve the CUP without conditions, deny the CUP request, table the request, or approve the CUP request with conditions and or performance standards. Thank you all for your time. Um. <clears throat> Blake, I'm not seeing, so I'm assuming there are no items for discussion. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Consideration by the commissioners? Yes, sir. Items for. Well, I'm not surprised. I'm just confirming that. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Um, commissioners, questions for either the petitioner or staff? I mean, I had a catalog run in these days. Where you run in the density of about 62% this year of what we're allowed under the easement. That translates to about 1,300 head. So they're all red heifers. Uh, we changed that operation several years ago because asking of that resource to have your ground cattle was difficult. The Rothopolis has helped settle that. Mr. Rothopolis homestead at the top of slippery sides. So it's came full circle around our fondness for purebred Angus cattle. They're creating purebred Angus cattle. We run their bred heifer program. They bring 1300 head to us in two different groups and we artificial inseminate them, put bulls out, 
raised the those heifers to about twelve hundred pounders, and in October they leave. That doesn't act as a resource to support those ungulates on the landscape, uh, and it's really made the ranch much better. And besides that, as a businessman in Rapp County, if you're feeding cows two hundred fifty dollars a day, you got too much money. So. Those cattle go to Browns Park, they go to the Big Hole, they go uh, to Little Snake River in the winter, and it's really been a good operation for us. Still a reasonably sizable operation within the county. I could run 2,100 head. But and, still, I feel like it's, I feel like operations are shrinking. The smaller uh, guys so aren't really growing in the big, the last, the last of the big ones that we have are kind of actually disappearing. Yeah. And then, Obviously, with having such a large corridor, have you seen wolf activity on the property? Do you anticipate wolf pressure? I'm sure you're working with CPW to effectively manage the all the different aspects that that brings in. We spent considerable time there. Now, anybody that's in the livestock industry has to be worried about wolf and predation in general. We don't only have wolves; we got wild wolf bears and mountain lions. Um, we did it. Study in which we continue doing studies, but uh, calves, I think one's a six day old. We had 10 mortalities, eight killed by bears, one killed by a mountain lion, and one by natural causes. So when you add the wolf into that equation, it's just not a good deal. But I don't think they named it Wolf Mountain because uh, somebody named Wolf homesteaded there. Uh, <laughs> it's probably ideal habitat. That particular area of Wolf Mountain is our sanctuary. So I have 2,960 acres, which is a no-hunt zone. And it basically will stay that way forever. We think that's important on a ranch that size. So we hunt around it. Um, obviously, there's lots of animals there. But we're all, we know a lot about wolf reintroduction because we have biologists that are part of Yellowstone and Grand Teton. And that well, I think you guys are going to be in a good position to be able to help with that management and provide data and input and you've already got a good partnership so I think that'll continue. It's got to be a robust panel to take a 1200 pound heifer down. Well, and so I have to tell you that's part of the reason we do that. Calvin gaps in yeah. the future up there are not, it's not probably good. Yeah, uh, I mean the bears, I know their predation on elk calves especially is they, they've started to specialize in that because that's one of the main food sources. And so I know it's, it's an issue. Um, and so the, one of the main things about the hunting is that it supports the agricultural operation and the, kind of the history on the ranch. And it's always been hunted. And that's kind of your plan to continue into the future. And to give vision to the board and the commission here, basic hunting now, on large scale operations like ours will represent somewhere north or just shallow of 50% of your gross schedule income. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So we take very seriously our health management. We take very seriously the wildlife management on that, but not to profit from it. Because as I say, we also adhere to the detriment concept. There's got to be one of the last great places for these animals to go to in this vicinity, particularly. When the only thing worse than having a year like last year is having two in a row. We have two in a row, it's going to really change things. But this year, we lost 35% of all cows and calves, or cows and bulls. We lost 85% wow. of the calf crop. 
And those are pretty dismal numbers, which is 25% greater than usual. But um, the ranch has always worked very close with CPW, obviously, and continues to and with elk studies and allowing access for collar retrievals, most recently, sage grouse counts, sharp-tailed grouse counts. It's, it's never ending with that. It's always yeah. been a great partnership. Yeah, I mean, well, you guys are kind of that buffer to the north, the same way fishing cross and all of the properties that connect to the south provide that habitat in the corridor, or at least we have some of that maintained. So thank you. Any other questions? Um, this might be a staff question. Specific conditions include up to five sleeping cabins. That's the future expansion. I'm, am I reading this correctly? Yes, sir. Okay. Two bathhouses and three. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, Steve. Go. Um, for Steve. From Steve. Um, so, how much rain does Brent give you? Is, it on? Is he in there? <laughs> it sounds pretty much like you guys are just really both into this operation. Well, Brent and I have had a relationship since I worked at CPW. So that was 2007, eight was when I came on as a Hayden officer. And I worked closely with Brent since then. So it was a natural transition uh, to move into this with Wolf Mountain. Um, but it is a separate operation. So I have obviously with the state, I have to be a licensed outfitter, insured, bonded, all that's taken care of and has been. Um, and then I kind of run the hunting camp and I run uh, the, the operation as a whole um, for the, the lease agreement that I have with Wolf Mountain. Pretty much free reign and you know, quite within, within the parameters of the lease. It's very good rent and rent. I deal with the out better than I do. Yeah. One thing Brent always always tells me at the end of the year is I like how you hunt because I never know you're here. <laughs> That's a big deal. It's a big deal and not displacing animals. And a lot of ranches do do that. But we're in St. Bill because we need to be. And Steve's biological background and law enforcement background on a big operation comes in very handy. Um, but Jim Haskins, uh, Ron Velarde, myself, uh, even Chris Meldorf, you know, we live together for quite a while because it's in a wildlife is a very important asset of what mountains. We take it very seriously. And now that Mr. Walters passed on, I got to carry that torch on until I'm done. Okay. It's nice to have a ranch that still considers, I mean, a lot of them still do, but wildlife management, hunting is wildlife management. And I think that's something we need to continue to look at it. I might take a step farther in saying that, that hunting is the uh, original ecotourism. So. <laughs> and part of your program is that by having that pressure, you can allow some of the animals to, instead of seeking refuge, to actually get onto the public land where some of the public tag holders have a chance to harvest them. And you, we actually let public hunters on. And you do that is in Ranch for Wildlife that needs to be understood. And and uh, that is their opportunity to select the reference points, but otherwise those hundreds would never be able to go to ranch like that for sure. Yeah. And it's closely managed. I mean, we're not just dumping, we're not making another we got ton out of it. We try to well, our success rates need to be as great or higher than the highest success rate in the DAU. We're running anywhere from 65 to 80 percent success for our public hunters. Sure. 
And a little clarification, it's really only the private hunters that are staying right. at the fixed yes, base operation. The public is just late season and Steve guys. So those overlap seasons are important. So we're running hunts on the ranch when general seasons are taking place off the ranch for statewide hunters. And Steve, your question was very applicable. Albert doesn't change density. Two more guest cabins and one bathhouse may include better accommodations for husband and wife. But we'll keep 12 and under. So that doesn't change the density. Sorry. No worries. Administratively, that was my question. Because we've already got that in on your number 14. Correct. They will not have to come back. That's correct as well. Be sure I understood that. They're getting an effect pre approval. Right. That brings well. And no more what? You don't anticipate a couple more wells or if things change? Correct, County. And the, the Niagara is nobody's figured out completion here, man. Um, I can't ever say that oil and gas isn't going to come back because we know how vast that resource is. Um, but right now, until they can get uh, completion figured out, then I don't think you'll see it very viable. But as wacky as polit the politics are, $100 barrel brings a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. We have the most robust surface use agreement ever adopted by uh, the CPW that they've ever seen. So if they do come back, I've got a 60, all those conditions and all that approval took itself. I think we set two records, Steve. One was TNC's record, and then one was an oil well that took itself 4.30 in the morning. But um, that's, I don't ever say it's dead and gone forever. Because it's probably not, because I don't see anybody backing off and having children in this day and age. But until they get a completion plan, figured out how to complete it, and they've made vast, uh, you know, huge technologies change, cost of drilling now is way less, all that type of thing. But we're prepared for that. It's the reason why when we did what we did with the OGCC, down below, we left it about plan in place, we left the roads where they were, cleaned up the pads, got done. And, if they come back, it will not be as impactful right. because we learned once, I hope. Any other questions? If not, I'll open up to public. I can't, uh, Michael, I can't see. Do we have public? Um, let's see. Do we have public? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm uh, guessing no. No? No. Okay. no. Well, hearing none and seeing none, then I'll close the public portion. Um, one more time, any additional questions for either staff or petitioner? For staff, there is still abilities for amendments and changes down the road when things do come along. Of course. Always. Always. Yeah. Again, it's, it's a large ranch. It's been through the process several times. You know, I, I was here for all the oil well stuff. And, um, Generally, I say you guys are really uh, easy to work with and, and come to the table prepared. Um, I would I would be inclined to support moving this. Forward. I wasn't even going to go to round table. I was going to look for a motion. I'll make a motion, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Jim. I'll move uh, approval of uh, uh, PL 2023-0043 together with General Commission 1213, Special Relations 1598. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on the motion? I'm sorry, who is the second? I'm sorry? Who is the second? Brian. Brian. He was usurped. 
Uh, all those in favor of the motion, uh, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed saying no. Motion is carried. Petition is approved. Carry on. Nice job, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being so cooperative. Yeah, I really appreciate it. When we have a good petition and petitioner, it makes our lives a lot easier. Yeah, we certainly appreciate that. Well, one more time, I'll just say thanks to all of you guys. The county has been great to work with. Um, it obviously came as an unknown, and a quick response was uh, was needed. So thanks to Alan and Blake and Scott and all of the pod car, too. And, uh, we think they're pretty guys. professional. Yeah, I, it's, it's really been... I, I hope we're easy to work, work with, but you guys are great. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Next on the agenda, item PL2022-0112, Community of Tiffsburg. I always want to say Peaberg, sorry. <laughs> Wastewater Treatment Plan and Collection System. So our applicant here, Scott, has his own presentation first, and I'm going to try to pull that up. I got it. Oh, do you want to just share your screen? Sure. Okay. So then you can click through without having to tell me. Oh, look at that. Isn't that wonderful? Nice. Okay. I think I can go to presentation mode. Maybe not. It's okay. Uh, F5. Or slideshow view show. It's thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You doing that? I'm going to do this. No, we lost it. Do share your whole screen, not just the window. The screen on the top left. Yep. So click that. And then click share. And then you've got your presence. There we go. There we go. Nice. Look at that. Oh, that's something. All right. I'm ready whenever you are. You may proceed, Scott. Okay. Um, we are here to talk about the uh, new wastewater treatment systems. Um, that we're planning to install in the communities of Pittsburgh and Milner. And I just have a short presentation um, just to um, try to get information out to you and also hopefully the public a little bit more about um, what we're doing because I think what we're doing is really good and I'm pretty proud of this project and I'm also appreciative of Route County staff as we've heard tonight um, for the help. So if I can advance. I'm assuming you're going to take them in order. Um, so this or do you want to kind of roll them together? Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, this presentation is rolling them both together. So is mine, but we distinguish between the, the differences. So, so but, but procedurally, we still need to keep them. Yes. Unless I misunderstand. Obviously. Yeah, two project codes. I think there'd be two motions then, but yeah. it's it's easier to understand the similarities and then what makes them different. Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, currently we have lagoon treatment systems. Uh, the service area in Pittsburgh is 63 acres, serving about 220 residents, fluctuates a little bit, 131 service connections. Three of those are commercial. The average flow is a little bit below 20,000 gallons per day. 
The system is rated for 30,000 gallons per day and uh, to treat up to 100 pounds uh, BOD per day, biological oxygen demand. That's just a kind of a measure of how much sewage can be treated. Um, and we uh, discharge directly with the Amber River. In Milner, we also have a lagoon system. Uh, service area is uh, it's a little smaller, 38 acres, serving about 250 residents through 108 service connections. Average flow is a little above uh, 16,000 gallons per day. Uh, maximum monthly average in June is 24,400. And I just wanted to make note of that because we have some infiltration and inflow issues in Milner. We call it I and I. The paper thought I said iodine. So if this gets in the paper, make sure that it's infiltration inflow, not iodine. <laughs> we don't want that. Um, the system is rated to treat uh, about 32,000 gallons per day and 65 pounds BOD. Um, also, our discharge goes directly to the Yamper River. Um, in the past, both of these systems, um, well, in Phippsburg, we, uh, we discharged directly into the neighboring creek, Little White Snake Creek, um, changed that discharge point probably about 10 years ago to go directly to the river. We get a bigger mixing zone, more dilution. Um, can more easily meet discharge requirements that way. Um, same thing in Milner. Um, and I think it happened about the same time. Uh, so uh, Phippsburg organization and fees, uh, we increased tap fees in 2023 from six to 8,000. Um, and uh, we're projecting or did raise fees from 161 to 169 per quarter for water and up to 141 for sewer. And, you know, we tend to increase fees every year just to cover increased operational costs um, to make sure that we have uh, healthy reserves. Um, and so lately that's been about a 5% annual increase. We're also trying to build reserves a little bit in anticipation of this project. Um, future fees um, are really mostly to cover um, increased uh, operational costs and to build a capital replacement fund, which we didn't have when we started this project. So uh, we think it's a healthier situation to have a capital replacement fund um, to make those replacements when it gets to the end of the life of the equipment. Um, we are uh, working with an engineer to complete a rate study. I got draft documents just yesterday, so I'm reviewing those. Um, those are needed to kind of move forward with some of the grant application and loan application processes. Um, but really, the rates are going to depend on the level of grant funding that we get and the final cost of the project. And then remember also that these are enterprise funds. So that means the funds for Milner and Phippsburg aren't intermingled with county funds. It's all operated um, uh, separately. And so uh, I think a lot of people don't quite understand that, but um, that's an important thing to remember. Um, with Milner, Increased tap fees from six to 8,000. Um, you may know already, we don't have a water system, a drinking water system for uh, Milner. They're all on wells. And in Phippsburg, we have sewer and water. Um, we've been increasing the fees, as you can see. Um, however, uh, same thing. We're doing this rate study, making sure that we're you know in that neighborhood that's still affordable for the community. And um, you know the the funding. I think we're in good shape to receive funding, um, but you don't know until that process is over. And so 
will go ahead and uh, apply for DOLA grants at the end of July or by the end of July, and uh, will be uh, applying for state revolving fund money in the fall. And uh, hopefully everything works out. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Um, and really, you know, why are we doing this now? There's a few different reasons. One, the system in Milner was installed in 1982. It's really nearing the end of its useful life in terms of the infrastructure. Um, we've started to see, have some compliance issues, water quality, um, exceedances in that biological oxygen demand, ammonia. Lagoons don't really function very well to treat for ammonia because in the uh, colder months, the bugs kind of die off. And so it's not uncommon in cold climates to see exceedances in ammonia and also E. coli. And um, with that BOD, it's an indication that the lagoons need to be pumped. And it's been several years since that's happened. Um, it's quite expensive to pump lagoons and dispose of the sludge. So to pair it with some infrastructure updates and replacement is really good. Um, and then the other thing, you know, right now we're in a really good fiscal environment. There's a lot of funding available for these projects. So if you have aging infrastructure um, with these public utilities, this is a great time to be making upgrades. So um, we're, so that's, you know, those are all the reasons we're kind of, where why we're at where we're at. Um, we're also going to update the collection system. Um, you can see in this picture, we did some video. We have some root intrusion. Um, we're going to uh, line those pipes and also uh, make repairs to manholes. So when we're done, we'll have updated the collection system. We'll have replaced the treatment system with modern technology um, that uh, those communities should be good to go. Um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, same situation in Phippsburg. The system is actually a little older. Um, and we had talked about replacing the liners, the lagoon liners, in years past, uh, just because we no longer met requirements for seepage. We have six-inch clay liners, which met requirements in 1976, but not today. And so that's really what started the process in Phippsburg is looking at replacing those liners. Um, and I think it's fortunate that we didn't go that direction just because uh, the technology is better, costs have come down for some of that advanced technology. Um, and uh, lagoons are a little bit antiquated, maybe not ideal for cold climates. And so um, I think that we're much better off going into the future with these modern systems that I'll talk about a little bit more. Um, also seeing some exceedances, these lagoons need to be pumped. Um, and then we're also updating the uh, collection system and addressing the infiltration and inflow issues. So um, everything should be pretty much brand new by the time we're done. Uh, the system that we're looking at is called a membrane bioreactor. It's a mechanical system. Uh, basically you have some basins that are placed underneath the ground surface. The, uh, the other piece um, is built in a factory and brought in on the back of a truck. And so um, there's some cost savings and efficiencies there. Um, it's about the size of two shipping containers, more or less, um, that they set up on top. Um, that modularity is really beneficial. It occupies a much smaller space. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been working with an engineer for several months 
um, pretty convinced that this is the right system for this area. And I think we're gonna see the Steamboat Mountain School um, end up with this system. Uh, the town of Yampa, somewhat larger community, but it'll be something like this. And so um, I think that these were first developed up in Canada and part of the reason is to deal with those cold environments. So um, I think it's pretty ideal um, for our area. Just a little bit more detail about the MBR. Um, one of the differences that uh, towards the end of the process, it's pushing the water through a membrane, a filter. Um, and so, uh, I mean, there's some detail there, but we're better able to treat for things like ammonia. We'll have uh, better be able to treat for nutrients. Um, we're, that's what we're seeing uh, coming down the line in terms of uh, effluent limitations that the standards for nutrients are going to go down. And so um, between being able to do a better job treating for it and also having that mixing zone with a lot of dilution, we should be in good shape uh, for uh, those limitations. Arsenic is another one. Um, and that's a little bit more complicated because technology doesn't exist to treat arsenic down to the level that the state is proposing. But um, we kicking the can down the road on that one. And, um, but that's that's a complication that everybody's going to have. And so Where's it'll it be interesting. From? What's that? Where's it coming from? Arsenic. Arsenic. It's naturally occurring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wonder, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's the earth. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about the earth's fault. Um, so site location for Phippsburg, uh, you might know, but uh, the facility is located just north of town, underneath the bridge across the tracks. Um, and you can see on the diagram um, on the right, the three lagoons and the treatment building. And then those little balloons are the two locations we were considering um, for the plant. And we're pretty solid on plan A, but it's always good to have a backup plan. Um, and so much smaller, occupies a much smaller area. Um, for remediation, we're gonna push uh, material back into the lagoon. So uh, the area of the paddle shrink a little bit, but we don't need a lot of room. Um, we're also, as part of this project, um, trying to do solar panels to offset energy costs. Um, some of the new policy from YVEA is making that a little bit more difficult, um, but we're, uh, we have a lot of people kind of working on that. So that's a moving target, but that's the uh, plan going forward is to try to include solar um, with both of these systems. And then you can see here, the uh, location of the lagoons is south of the railroad tracks, pretty much right smack dab in the floodplain. They did raise that area back when they built the system to be at the 500 year flood level. Um, still, I think, uh, and because of the, the small area that the new system occupies, we have enough room to place it in the area where the lift station is currently. And so we'll get rid of that part of the system. We won't need a lift station. Um, not sure about solar panels. They may need to go um, in this parcel uh, where the lagoons are currently. I'd like to be able to squeeze them in this uh, area where the plan is gonna be, but um, we're still working on that part. We'll see um, how that shakes out. Project timing. Uh, we've submitted the project needs assessment, had that approved. 
We've submitted the site application to CDPHE. That's been approved. And we are working on the final engineering. Um, I just We just signed the uh, design and engineering grant uh, contract. So that gives $300,000 uh, for each for communities to work on that final engineering. Um, we, I think I mentioned earlier, we're going to submit for that DOLA grant at the end of July. The SRF loan in the fall, they may not have money left in the fund at that point. It'll just be pushed into the winter. Puts us on a pretty tight timeline, um, but it still looks okay. Um, and we expect later this year to get final design approval from the state and to bid the project and still on schedule to start construction in the spring of 2024. This is the conceptual opinion of probable costs. Uh, that's part of the reason they're doing this detailed engineering at this point to really nail down uh, what the cost would be. For Phippsburg, we're a little over 4 million and Milner right now um, at about three and a half million. So hopefully uh, those costs um, don't change too much or go down. And then finally, um, this slide kind of shows some of the operational costs. Those are going to be um, more with this mechanical system. Before, we were just running aerators pretty much. And so we have a lot more equipment that we're going to run, more electricity needs, part of the reason we were interested in doing solar. Um, I mentioned the D&E grants. That's $300,000 each. We're good to go with those. Uh, state revolving fund is up to 1.5 million each, but half of that has to be a loan. So it's really 750,000 and a $750,000 loan. And we have some county funding that we can use to pay off those loans. And so we'll just see where everything lands. And, um, and then DOLA, of course, tier two grants $1 million each. Um, and preliminarily contributions from the county 1.45 million for Milner, about 2 million for Phippsburg. And that gets us well on our way to uh, creating a capital replacement fund. And so um, if all this works out, this is kind of a best case scenario, keeping our fingers crossed, but um, really good position financially uh, to go through with the project and not have to raise rates a lot. And that's all I got. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you, Scott. Um, let's see if I can get this set up to share my screen now, uh, somehow. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Sure, we'll go with that. All right. Um, who can see? Um, Sarah, can you see the presentation? Yes. Okay. So basically, we just can't see my presentation. So that's not ideal either. Yes, I can see it. Okay. I'm going to move okay. this over to their screen and then I'm going to try to share that screen because that would be more useful. All right. Can you see it again? Yes. Okay. Yes, we can see it. So now I have to just kind of turn around and look, I guess, but that's okay from beginning. 
people look at this one oh that's a good idea oh wait actually i can see it does like a dual monitor thing both of these are useful um okay so hello everyone this is the um these are two separate permits for community of Phippsburg and milner wastewater treatment plants um and they are processed under two project codes um but like scott did i will explain them mostly together because it's effectively the same project in two different places um, and the distinctions kind of between the two help understand what's going on. Um, so the history of both these communities, they were platted in the early 1900s. They didn't have centralized water or wastewater infrastructure. That was okay then. It's not really okay now. Um, the high density of the dwelling units makes individual waste disposal systems, whether it be a septic system or historically it would have been an outhouse, um, is not practical or very cleanly. Um, Phippsburg is Phippsburg and Milner have a little bit of a different history that resulted in kind of slightly different processes here. Um, so Phippsburg initially had an established special district called the Phippsburg Sanitation District in the 1970s, and they built a sewage collection and treatment system. Um, under our regulations, both then and actually today, if you're in a special district, you do not require a special use permit to build water, uh, wastewater or water systems because the special district has its own kind of authority and the special district is already approved. So Phippsburg had that special district and built their, their sewer system. That special district was dissolved and then the county ended up taking that system over. And so effectively it just became a legal non-conforming use. Um, and then their water distribution system came slightly later in 1978 and was permitted by an SUP because the special district had already dissolved by them. Milner, by contrast, never had a special district. Um, they also never built a central water system. They're relying on wells, um, but their sewage collection and treatment system was permitted by um, a SUP in 1982. So basically, Phippsburg has a Phippsburg has a permitted water system and a currently unpermitted sewer system. Milner has a permitted sewer system and does not have a water system. So try to keep that straight in your head. Um, so the current situation in both locations, um, environmental health is operating both the collections and treatment systems as well as the water system in Phippsburg. Um, I won't go back through how many they're both serving, but they're both roughly serving, you know, 200 to 300 people um, and treating um, between 15 and 20,000 gallons a day. And they're currently both basic lagoon style systems that have reached the end of their useful life. Um, and this climate is not ideal for those systems, even if they were brand new. Um, and they are struggling to meet water quality standards as a result. Um, so this is what the treatment building looks like. You've already basically seen this. It's called a mechanical membrane bioreactor, and it has a lot of advantages over the lagoons. Um, if nothing else, the size of them um, it does not take up as much space as a lagoon. Um, and both systems will ultimately end up discharging to the same place, which is the Yampa River. Um, the Phippsburg site design and SUP permitting, um, this is where some of the differences come in. Um, so they currently do not have an SUP for the wastewater system, either the collection network or the treatment plant. Um, the water system does have an SUP. Um, and so the SUP is to replace the wastewater treatment plant, but also to retroactively permit the collection system within its current administrative boundary and the, the sewer line between the administrative boundary and the treatment plant within a 30-foot easement. And I do have a drawing of this in, um, on the next slide. Um, they will be putting the wastewater treatment plant and the solar panels on the same site as the present day aerated lagoons. 
Um, and then something that has come up actually on both sites, um, but we'll talk about Phippsburg first, is that um, the site is so small. You know, this is the AF zone district, 50 foot setbacks, um, but it's like, what, two acres? In, One to two acres. Yeah. Yeah. It's very small. So to do this, and also keeping in mind that the lagoons are currently in the way and kind of have to keep operating until the new system is built, the new system will be built off to the side. Um, and so any dimension, any failure to meet dimensional standards is going to require a separate uh, board of adjustment hearing to get variances for the dimensional side of this approval. Um, so then this is kind of what the site looks like. Um, you can see the, this is the current, arrangement with these lagoons. Um, this is plan A is where um, they would like to put it. Plan B is the other location. Both of these locations are pretty close to this property line here. Um, and then currently the lagoons operate this portion of the site. This is a picture of the administrative boundary. And so the administrative boundary um, would have been established at the time the special district was created. And so this administrative boundary will remain exactly the same. Um, and then there's a water line that cross, or sorry, a sewer line that crosses over to the treatment plant, which is north and downhill from the current um, site. And so this is kind of how it would be reclaimed. Um, these are the contours that would be changed um, to cover over the lagoons. And then the new plant might go here. Um, this is another rendering of this is kind of another rendering of the same thing and where the solar panels might go. The solar panels might go anywhere on this site. It's it's still undetermined, um, but they will both be on the same site. And then this is just an example of the water line. We scan this document. It's a little confusing, um, but basically this, this kind of dark black dotted line is where the, it's situated in a 30 foot wide easement. And so town, the north is to the left on this image. And so the treatment plant is right about here. This is County Road 12 going under the railroad tracks right here. And then this 30 foot easement leads all the way back to town. And so that's kind of part of the, the area where this, the, the boundary in which this SUP would technically be therefore permitting. Um, and then this is what the entire collection system looks like. So you can see the town where the lines were laid um, and then you can see the connection to the sewage treatment plant. And con conveniently, north is now to the right, not the left. Um, it's an engineering no-no, you know that. <laughs> yes, I didn't draw these plans. Um, so now for Milner, um, it's a somewhat similar situation, but again, somewhat different as far as permitting goes. It already has an SUP for its wastewater system from 1982. So this SUP is purely an amendment to the current SUP to replace the wastewater, wastewater treatment plant. And the plant would also be relocated. So currently you can see where the lagoons are um, on the site. Um, and so this plant would basically be relocated to where this big yellow star is. Um, solar panels, however, would likely still go on the same site as the current lagoons, um, although that's still in flux. And then in the same situation, uh, variances will be obtained if any dimensional standards aren't able to be met. The parcel that this is going to be going on is a very large parcel owned by Camelotti and Sons, but the little corner that it's going to be going in is obviously very constrained. But as Scott noted, there's already a lift station here. So there's a lot of uh, benefits to keeping the system here and not having to have a lift station. It just happens to be that the site is really tight in that spot, um, thanks to the railroad tracks and current um, town of Milner. Um, so this is kind of what their site would look like. Um, fairly similar, the building would be in a north-south orientation with a little parking area, gravel pad. Um, this is the main street road right here. 
Um, and this is their administrative boundary, which um, this has already been permitted and isn't changing at all, um, but it's good to see kind of where, where this system actually has boundaries to. Um, and then this is how the current, current lagoons will be reclaimed. You can see the con site contours there. Um, and as Scott touched upon, that area is in the floodplain. And it's not that the lagoons themselves are in the floodplain. They were actually raised out of it, which this map doesn't show. Um, but you'll see in pictures coming up very shortly that the location of the floodplain is not ideal um, just for access reasons. Um, so here's the Phippsburg location. Um, this is the tracks over here. This is all we're looking north in this picture. This is County Road 12. So we've got the current lagoons. Um, this is the screen screen building is what bar you call screen. it, bar screen building. And also um, flow, measure flow. So that's where every, everything actually goes into this building before anything happens. And that is proposed to stay as it is. Um, there's a gate and it's actually quite a nice site, scenic wise. Um, and then these are some other pictures on the site. Um, there's a fence that needs repair. We had a comment from an adjacent property owner about that and his cows were getting into the lagoons, which is obviously not the best place for a cow to be hanging out in. Um, and there's an existing treatment building and some some cow waste to prove it. And then the mill- separate county parcel, like the one in mill? They're both separate county parcels. Yeah, they were they were parceled out a while back and are, are legally not conforming. Um, this is the Milner location. And so this is looking from Main Street East towards the proposed site. Um, it, it isn't as tight as it looks like on the map, but obviously, you know, where the property lines are, you're not necessarily going to get 50 feet. Um, and so this is the view to the closest properties. Um, they are obviously very close, but they're also uphill. So they would be kind of looking down or over it. Um, and then this is where the current site gets really interesting. We happened to visit during the high water um, back in May. And so we had to drive a hybrid electric car through a puddle of water to get to the lagoons. And that is a situation that happens anytime there's super high water and some minor flooding. And so the current site is just hard to access, not a super good place to be having um, all your wastewater be dealt with. And I might add, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, that's an overflow channel. It was actually the main channel back in the 50s because um, we, we've seen some maps go back that far. Um, but of course the river's further towards the south at this point. Um, but that's, it's, you know, makes it a little bit difficult to get to the site at times. Mm -hmm. And then just a few more photos. This is looking south from Milner um, on Main Street. So it'd go to the left there where that red arrow is. I think most of the building actually wouldn't be super visible just because of how the, the land slopes there. And then the picture on the right is looking north across the tracks um, to where the site would be located. Um, so that's all I have for you guys. Um, you've got your four options for how to recommend approval for this special use permit. Do you have any questions for me? Yep. All right. Walk me through the criteria that causes one to establish a special district. Um, if you can. It's so I'd have to. Do you want me to pull up the code or just try to remember? No, I'm kind of seeing it. I, I guess what I'm working up to. There was a special district in Peeberg, mm -hmm. which was unwound, and there never was one in Milner. And I guess I'm just curious to know who initiates and wants to start the special district. I believe special districts are approved by the county, are they not, Alan? I think it's a state issue. It might be. They, they, they're effectively like a quasi-governmental organization. Right. They have a defined boundary. They have taxing authority. 
Um, and I'm just trying to know how to get started. No, I think they're like metro districts. Yeah. Yes. By the county. The same story. How do you, why doesn't Peter wake up and have a special district? Or well, owner, for that matter. Well, I think that it was because of the difficulty of getting the community together to run the special district. Okay. And, and I think that it sort of fell apart in Pittsburgh. And um, I think there was a lot of problems with sewage in Milner back in the day that we had a lot of different systems or lack thereof, right. and it was a health issue. Um, so I just don't think that the county was able to get the organization from the community that's needed because right. the communities run the special district. Right. And they, and they have to vote on the Yes. That's whether, right. Whether they have to agree. Like so at they least have to agree have majority vote. Yeah. And and um, my experience is that's often frightening to people when they hear it's going to have a taxing authority. Yeah. Right. Oh my God, it comes another time. Right. I think ideally in long term, we would like these to go back to being special districts. Um, kind of one was going with this. Yeah. And that's, we've you know, had that conversation um, with county manager and board of commissioners. Um, I think that we need to get these systems to a place where they're in good shape from an infrastructure standpoint and also financially. Um, and when we get to those points, and this is a big part of it, um, I think maybe we'll um, start having those conversations. So it's going to lead me into my next question, which is, I think I heard you say mm -hmm. that the funding for the operations of these two systems are segregated from county revenues somehow? Did I get that? That's right. They're yeah. both enterprise funds. Right. So they're independent from county funds. Well, you showed but they're taxed, but, but, but it's still from tax revenues, was it not? What's still from tax revenues? The special districts collect taxes. No, no. Well, I, they collect no, user county, fees. County, county collects, collects the tax. The troops in fact, we, there we you go. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, we collect the user fees. Yeah. The county does because we're the management entity. But I have separate budgets for both Milner and Phippsburg, and those funds aren't intermingled with county funds. So let me try it this way then. Are you totally self sustaining? Yes. Okay. That's what I was really getting at. So there really aren't county tax dollars supporting these systems. You're actually collecting the revenues from. The water bills and the source bills. That's correct. Now, and then whatever grants or whatever else you can get, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and the county can contribute and will contribute towards um, upgrading and rehabilitating these systems, but they're putting, you know, funding that, that came from this particular funding came from ARPA. Um, the, and that was now I'm just completely drawing a blank. So that the recovery act? Yeah, part of the recovery act that you know all municipalities got, and so that funding will go in and help pay down that SRF loan. Um, so it'll get a contribution from the county, um, not from the general fund, but rather what used to be that's our system. Yeah. Um, I get a couple more. Hmm. If I may. Yes. I don't mean to, but I'm. Who knows? You may pick up all of our time. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Because the systems that you're proposing to install don't involve lagoons and are self-continued, I'm assuming that odor is not an issue. 
No. Um, it's not really even an odor with the current lagoons, honestly. Well, yeah. you know, if they're functioning properly, there's not really Thank an odor. You. They do. I think yeah. the word is sour. Yeah. If, right. if things aren't functioning properly. So I think that those chances will reduce. We're also replacing uh, a uh, lift station. And so I think that the chances of having odors from the lift station, even though they're not that great, are still lowered with this um, new system. Uh, we are going to include some visual screening um, in Milner because that house is fairly close and I've been in contact with the owner of that place. He happens to be the same guy who works for YVEA. He's going to be involved with putting in the phase three power that we're going to need. So we've had a really good dialogue with him and he doesn't really have any heartburn, but we'll still want to do some landscaping and uh, just to try to uh, shield the view a little bit. Okay, and then the next question, Milner is going to be on a new site. And did I read that that came from Carmeletti, that property? So the county already has an easement because that's where the lift station is. Oh. That easement is big enough to contain the new system. Oh. Um, we did update the agreement, um, and I worked with Ed to do that recently to give us a construction easement, um, but uh, not much in that easement really changed and the boundary didn't change, but we're fortunate that we have enough space. And that's one of the advantages of these MVR systems is that modularity. Yeah, I mean, they look pretty slick. Yeah. yeah. Talk to Steamboat Lake Sanitation District. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how old those lagoons are. It'd be nice if uh, we could, uh, well, we'll, we'll talk old. about Hunts Peak Village right now. Yeah, never mind. And they would, they, <laughs> What's that? That's not Hunts Village. No, I know, yes. but Huntsbeek Village doesn't have a system period. No, they're all yeah. on separate systems. And so they both, um, if, if uh, say, Yampa was to come in for a new system or Steamboat Lake was to come in for a new system, they are both special districts. So they would actually not have to come before this body to um, get approval for that. And, and going back to your question about forming a special district, um, these types of systems basically um, if there's a defined community need and it, there's some criteria in the code for it, it's not just, you know, any, anyone can plat a bunch of lots and make a special district, but we do have criteria for, you know, if it's actually beneficial to the community as opposed to just promoting rural sprawl. And so these both communities um, had historic development long before any such systems ever even existed. And so it was, it was pretty easy at the time, I think, for the to justify a special district as it probably is now. It's just that financially they the Phippsburg one fell apart. Um, and then, so this is clear, at least in my head, Eberg is, is really <laughs> a compliance or come into compliance and special use. Um, Upgrade, I guess I'll call it. Yes, there. And Milner is pure special use. Um, I would say they both of them have have compliance issues as far as water quality. Yeah, no, I was more on the and reason we're here. On the yeah, on our side, it's it's more that Milner is just an amendment. Um, Right. And Phippsburg would be a new system. It's going from, I wouldn't call it compliance per se, because they're not out of compliance. They're simply legally non-conforming because they the system was built when there was a special district. And now that they aren't in one anymore, 
their SUP needs to be a bit more comprehensive to include the system that did not require permitting at the time. Okay. I'm done. Anybody else? Any <laughs> questions? Easier question. The maintenance side of everything. So in the process of changing over to the new units, the ponds have to be pumped. And that's in your venue. You have that done and then it's stored someplace else or just uh, repurposed. So the ponds will be drained and then the sludge removed and disposed of. And then um, we'll have to do some earthwork and we'll reduce the area of the pad. That's where we're going to find the material to fill the ponds. And so, um, and of course, this we're just talking about Pittsburgh, right? Um, and so that's where that material will come from. The pad will be a little bit smaller, but it'll be on that same level. At, that it is today. And then we're going to do the same thing in Milner. Um, and we we own that property. And again, the pad will be a little bit smaller because that's where we're going to borrow material to fill in the lagoons. And we may use that space for solarables if we don't have enough space to squeeze it in where the existing easement is. So to piggyback on that question, so we're doing main practice, you did maintenance on the current yes. systems. So we hire, uh, we have a contractor, Scott Smith, and he operates several different septic and water systems in the county. And there's different levels of operator. This is gonna require a slightly higher level, but Scott has all of his level A or whatever one or certifications. So he's a qualified operator at this point. Um, and so that's, he used to be an employee of the county. We, Put him out as a contractor instead, but he's our licensed operator and we'll continue to do that. And he you will continue to do the maintenance on the new. Yes. You know, and so the clarification on the old system, we have the sludges. <clears throat> do the new systems have the same amount of sludge that has to be removed periodically? Um, there is a byproduct that will um, result from the treatment process, but it's you know. It's it's taken decades for the sludge to build up in the lagoons because it's treated. And so um, it takes a lot of time for that to build up. With this mechanical system, we'll have a byproduct and we'll periodically have to take that product to probably go to the landfill. Okay, I've seen old creeks that put it in the shed there, it dries out. It's no smell, just, but it is reusable. Right, and if we can find a beneficial use for it, certainly we'd like to do that. Um, of course, in Phippsburg, maybe that goes to Eagle County, but um, certainly we look for beneficial use if, if that's possible. And I don't know a lot about the byproduct, um, but that's something we'll have to learn a little bit more about and see if we can find a beneficial use. And I think you can land farm it, but I'm not sure that that's how feasible that is, or if we even have that opportunity. The Oak Creek Pocket Park is completely. Yeah, maybe we can compost it on site. And that would be another, um, you know, we could make dirt. I don't know. Do you want to take that on or? Thank you. Um, CPW mentioned that the bald eagle nest at the Peaberg site. Uh, yeah, they have a concern about it being disturbed. Do you anticipate the construction of this to, to interfere with that? They didn't request that we put in a yeah. um, 
condition of approval or anything, but I just wondered has that been looked at so that you guys can work around what they mentioned in their letter? Yeah, we I've had conversations with Chris Middledorf and other CPW staff about that. Um, one of the advantages with this system is that you know we go in and put it in those concrete basins and then the plant comes on the back of the truck and you set it down. So really the construction period is quite short. Okay. And so um, I don't anticipate, you know, think about, you know, we have Highway 131 and we have Highway 40. We have the railroad track that's right next to both of those lagoon systems. So um, I have a hard time seeing how we would be disruptive or more disruptive than what's currently out there with the train and the road and so forth. What is the life cycle or the lifespan of yeah. these systems and how will it accommodate future growth? So uh, that is another advantage of these systems. It is easy to um, expand for uh, increased flows, um, easier than it is with lagoons. Um, the likelihood of expansion in these two areas I think is pretty low. Um, I think a lot of these properties surrounding Milner and Phippsburg have conservation easements. Um, certainly no plans to expand those communities. Um, over time, components in the system will need to be replaced. Um, but I think that it's probably similar, a 40-year timeline. I think that you can expect that as a minimum. Um, but an advantage is that you can replace these components as time goes by. And um, so I guess I, I, I don't I don't have a great answer. You know, I'm not sure, not positive how long it could actually last replacing those components. But at a minimum, it's going to be 40 years. And, yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I had another question. I assume that you have no objection to putting up some new fencing from a wildlife standpoint, fence out process. Not at all. Okay. I think that that is a really good idea and, um, for everybody. And so that, that'll be that'll be part of the project is to get that done and make that secure. Christy, you've got your hand up. Yeah. Hey, Scott, how's it going? How's it, how everybody's doing? Um, so just going back to the question before about expansion, do you know what is the current, you know, capacity limits? Like I know that each community is serving X amount of households and I don't expect you to have like those numbers offhand, but under the current system, how many more households do you think each system could support? So it's it's hard to uh, quantify it in households. Okay. Um, what, what you look at is hydraulic capacity. And in general, we're at about half of the hydraulic capacity of the plants. Um, when you have a lot of infiltration and inflow, you get um, closer to that hydraulic capacity. The state requires you to start looking at expanding your system when you're consistently at 80%. And so I think with these plants, the hydraulic capacity is gonna be about the same. Um, and we're in general, on average, gonna be using about half of what that capacity is. And how many more households that is, it's hard to say because different households use different amounts of water, but 
Um, I think that there is quite a bit of room for expansion, even though I don't think that um, it'll necessarily be used um, at any time, at least in the near future. I think it's in the PNA document too somewhere, isn't it? What they're both rated for? As far as the hydraulic capacity? Yeah. Yes. So it's it's safe health. to say that they're being, it sounds like they're being currently underutilized, um, but through this new, um, the, the new plants that are going to be going in, there would be potentially room for expansion based on the fact that um, they are essentially being underutilized and it would have the same capacity as it is now, um, sort of so, like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't say they're being underutilized. I would say that there is um, sufficient hydraulic capacity in the new systems to accommodate more flows. And if at some point in the future, um, the systems needed to be expanded, it could pretty easily be done so. Um, and, and so uh, hopefully that answers your question. It does actually, thank you. Well, part of the issue is infiltration is occupying a lot of the capacity, if I understand it correctly. Infiltration? Yeah, leakage, what have you. Can you flip up a few slides? This will get at what Steve's saying. Right? Flip up a few slides to the capacity of both areas. You have numbers, like the, population. Yeah. Um, it's up there a few. That was this right. slide. Um, I'm just going to move the. This is the slide we're so talking about. Right now, we have the lagoons are lined with clay. That's exfiltration, then. And so we have seepage, right? Yeah. Basically, and our uh, seepage requirements today are much more than they were back when the systems were installed. So in Phippsburg, we have a six-inch clay liner, mm -hmm. and then you can calculate what the expected seepage is on a six-inch clay liner and based on the volume of the ponds. In Milner, we have a 12-inch clay liner. And I think that to today's standards, you would need at least an 18-inch clay liner to meet seepage requirements, or you do HDPE plastic liners, which essentially makes it zero. But I thought I heard you say that part of the project includes lining the sanitary sewer. So that's where Phippsburg started out. That was our plan, that we weren't going to replace the system. We were just going to reline the lagoons. Now we're going to reclaim the lagoons and install oh, these okay. NVR systems. I'm I, I think he's talking about the pipes. Yeah, you, you, said, was, you yeah. said that they're I and I. What's the... Okay, so there's certain parts of the system. Um, I think in, in Milner's case, it's um, near the lift station where groundwater is getting into the system. That's right. Especially coming. when they turn on the ditch. Okay. And so and so that increases that increases the amount of flow that's going into the because system. The adverse impacts of capacity. Yeah. And so that's, and that's part of the idea is that we're rehabilitating the collection system to eliminate the iodine. Gotcha. Not the iodine. Right. Yeah, yeah. I had that. <laughs> but if you look at those stats there, what's catching my eye is the population of 220 residents running up 19.4 and the 250 residents in Milner running up 16,300. Those numbers are pretty obvious. Yeah. Are, yeah. More residents are generating less uh, affluent 
what and where is that coming from? Because I know Mount Werner, uh, I did an asphalt one time on the whole sewer system at the not the entire Mount Werner sewer system. They were struggling from leakage infiltration itself. And they started putting up monitoring devices to come down the pipelines to try to find out where all that was coming in. Yeah. Keep in keep in mind too that there are different industries in Phippsburg versus Milner. And so there is also I mean, Phippsburg has a few more commercial stores that may or may not actually make up the difference. But I mean, Milner has almost nothing but residences and Phippsburg has, you know, what what is the, the big ag store? That. So they've got they've got that. They've got um, well, there's almost the hotel. Wells. I think people that are on wells tend to conserve water more than people that are on a central system. That's a broad generality. Yeah, that is generalization. Uh, but but I do think that people on wells tend to can use less water. And I but I'm I don't not, know if that makes any difference here. I'm not positive on 250 residents for Milner. That seems high. So that might be something we want to check. I'm I'm just taking that from the PNA system. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that happens, and it happened in Pittsburgh is uh, people had sump pumps in basements um, that were dumping into the system instead of daylighting <laughs> on the ground. And so- Normal course of events. Yeah, so there's, um, to to make those direct comparisons, there's a lot of well, moving gray. parts and a gray area in there. Do you have any clay pipe out there, I guess? I, I heard, I never not, heard. Not that I'm aware of. So it's, because okay, I didn't um, see any in the application about replacing the trunk line. The no, those are all PVC. Okay. And they're going to be lined with resin. And so the diameter will be slightly smaller, but it'll seal um, it up. Seal it up. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Linda, conditions 14 on both uh, cover your fencing. It was, yes. Good. Any other questions for the petitioner staff? Why not do a PUD? For each of these sites? Um, it's not really a whole site use. Well, I guess you would do a PUD for the, the wastewater treatment plant itself, but it wouldn't really make sense because you've got a whole collection system that has to be permitted. Like there's a, we have a use in the code for this. Um, so it just makes more sense to process it as that versus something that is, you know, unique in some way. Any other questions? I can't tell, but I'm assuming there's no public. Um, there is not. Okay, so I'm gonna open up for public discussion. <laughs> Hearing and seeing none, I'll close it. <laughs> and we did we did actually have a public meeting. That was one of the requirements for the design and engineering grant. So we've made a lot of efforts to get the public involved, keep everybody informed. Um, the, the turnout for those public meetings wasn't good. <laughs> Welcome but, to our world. Yeah. You got one person from each town, though. That covers both towns. So <laughs> with the low population, the percentage doesn't look so bad. The rest don't use the facilities. Are you thinking well problems in Milner? Has the compression um, increased in recent years? Yeah, so... Um, in uh, dry years, I have heard some people uh, about some people 
with their, their wells are drying up. And, um, you know, the alluvium where most of the wells um, in Milner are set, um, I think people on the downhill side are okay, but on the uphill side of that alluvial deposit, it gets low. And, and I also talked to um, the developer of the tiny homes and had the same conversation. There's actually some really good superficial geology maps that were updated in the last 10 years. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason they decided to drill down below the alluvium into, I think they drilled into shale, so they were finding fractures and, and faults, but um, the water in dry years does get a little low. And I do think that in an ideal world, they would also have a drinking water uh, treatment and distribution system. Yeah. But again, that's there's a lot of steps to that. There's, there's a lot of costs involved. Um, I think originally when they were planning all this for Milner, that, that was part of the plan. And guessing because of costs, they decided not to do that. Um, but maybe someday in the future, um, that'll come back up again. And it'll just be because of more pressure on that aquifer. Most of them are real shallow, super shallow, like 60 to 120 feet deep in that alluvium. Yeah. Um, other questions at this point? I'm hearing none. Once again, I'm not seeing items for discussion. Am I reading that correctly? Uh, yeah, there are no items for discussion yeah. on either of these. Chair, I'll entertain a motion. Chair will. <laughs> uh, can I make one motion for both of these applications? Combine them? I no. No, I, I would, think it should no, be two motions. All right. And the first motion is recommending approval of uh, uh, PL 2022-0112. So that's, uh, that's for, together with general conditions 111 and special conditions 1215. Second. So we have a motion and a second. Any discussion on the motion? Hearing and seeing, hearing none. Uh, all those in favor, please signify by saying yes. Yeah. yeah. Opposed, say no. Motion is carried. And now I'll make a motion to approve of PL 2022-0113 with general conditions 1 to 11 and special conditions 12 to 15. That's for Miller. Second. We have a motion and a second again. Any uh, discussion on the motion? Once again, hearing none, uh, all those in favor of the motion, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed say no. 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 I didn't mean to say no. I believe there may have been an error. Um, motion is carried. Okay. Uh, were both of those seconds from Brian? Yes. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, thanks. Alan, I think you're done. All right, thank you. You're more than welcome to stay. But if I were you, I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you, Scott. Just your That's Scott. Thank you. I'm pretty sure you called Scott Allen. You, why do you call everyone no, else? I said Michelle Allen. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, here we go. Pay attention. I thought I heard Allen. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, but I said I think I'm right. So, so okay. stay up to the back for you. It's tough to hear. Yeah, I got uh, you. Is Christy still on? Oh, she's, not uh, she's waving. I am. Here, let me move this over. 
so you can all see her looking at you. Okay, there we are. Okay, now right. I really everybody. All right, so I have hopefully a quick administrator's report. Um, so wanted to give you a heads up for next week. We have the Tailwaters application on for next Thursday. Um, and to mentally prepare you all, Alan, myself, and Michael attended our work session. Oh, it wasn't a work session. It was a public outreach event today out in Stagecoach on the code update process and literally walked into a firing squad. Um, <laughs> um, we had Blake and the design workshop team head out earlier than us to set up. And we showed up at 12 and there was already a line of folks outside of the fire department there. Wow. And um, yeah, we've done outreach before and this one took the cake for sure. Um, just to back up a little bit, we, as you know, probably ha we had a several events this week. We had um, a pop-up event at the Botanical Park, which was um, uh, pretty well engaged. There was a lot of people already at that event. Um, so we set up a table there um, and got some good comments from people. We had two other events scheduled yesterday in Steamboat, and they were pretty much a bust other than, um, I would say, poorly attended. Um, but the quality of the comments that we did get from the people that did show up were um, really thoughtful and really great comments, mainly from our stakeholders. Um, so that was that was a positive, um, but we expected Stagecoach to be um, uh, well attended and it surpassed what we, our expectations um, of what we thought. We got like 40 replies on invites for that event alone. And I don't know how many, I, I didn't even get the count. I don't know if Alan or Michael, if you even could gauge how many people were there. Um, I would say there was a lot of hostile people and the big problem was that people were misinformed as you would expect of what we were there for. Um, the people I talked to definitely thought that they were there for the public hearing or to discuss the upcoming coming applications. I think they were still annoyed by the land delay application that was approved for the 40 units about a year ago. Um, and then the rumors with the ski area coming in. Um, so the positive is that we did have the opportunity to um, provide them the correct information and, um, and calm people down and, and really redirect them to what they were there for. And we did get some really valuable information from a lot of the folks that we were able to engage with. Um, but uh, my thought is for next week, we probably will expect a big crowd. Um, hopefully we were able to, you know, set the record straight of, you know, what this application you're going to be hearing is about and not to be bringing in, you know, all of their other frustrations with traffic and really focused people on process. Um, me, particularly what I heard and what you may here next week 
um, is just, you know, I think it's going to be our job to make sure we have in our presentation and kind of um, uh, set the record straight from a staff perspective about process of what we're hearing, which is really sketch at this point. It's the first step in a process, right? And, and it's more conceptual. And that part of if you all move forward to recommend approval, there are gonna be a long laundry list of conditions of approval that a developer would need to follow to then submit for preliminary. Um, that of course will include traffic. You're gonna hear all about the traffic and you're gonna, you know, all of the things that we, we know are issues. Um, but a lot of what I heard from some of the folks is, you know, didn't you already do a traffic study? And it's like, we will. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that point. We know that it's an issue and um, a developer has a right to make an application and here's the process and that, you know, it's a three-step process. This, you know, even if something were approved at, at Sketch is not an automatic ticket to the finish line, you know, and there's a lot of work to be done between now and then. Um, another crazy out of the box comment I heard from more than one person was um, they were outraged by the fact that the rumor mill is that all the residents and stagecoach are going to be on the hook for all of the infrastructure that could be required in addition to the bridge that is going to be built over the reservoir for secondary access and yeah, and that these folks don't have $100,000 per person to, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can only imagine. That was fun. That was a fun conversation. Um, you know, um, so like I said, just a lot of mis misinformation. And I think, you know, as staff, we can do our job. We have prepped the applicant that they can address a lot of these things. Like they have a lot of homework to do, right? I mean, they know what is in front of them as developers and we have a process and we're going to take all of this into consideration and you know this is more conceptual at this point and we're going to get more of those studies if this were approved later on to evaluate and make sure that this development um, is appropriate and that off-site impacts are being mitigated so does not it, to yes go ahead does it warrant um perhaps a set of opening remarks before the petitioner actually starts talking to remind everyone that this is in fact a sketch application and walk them through it or just let it go no i no, opening I, remarks would be really helpful i think. I, I will i mean we're gonna i think we're gonna go to have the same the same format the applicant presents and then staff presents and yeah. then it'll be opened up to public comment and I plan on addressing that yeah. during my remarks. So um so I, I don't I don't think that's necessary. I'm asking that's okay. Um you it's know Steve, if you yeah. feel yeah like I said um I I agree Jim and and Steve to your question if there's some opening comments are always helpful just to set the tone of the meeting. Right. Well, that's kind of where I was coming from before people get, although there's a presumption that one listens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and a lot of um, 
you know, what had happened today, you know, just naturally I, I ended up being on the front lines trying to um, really just redirect and, and provide that correct information of, you know, do you know why you're here? And let me, you know, explain, you know, this is to update the zoning code. And, you know, we are discussing overlay districts that, you know, Stagecoach falls into one of our new targeted new growth areas. And, you know, so I, I, I think I did a really good job of trying to make people understand they were really mad at first, but in the end, you know, they, they didn't like probably what I had to say, but they understood. I brought the master plan into it. And, you know, like, this isn't news people. I didn't say in those terms, right. That this is a targeted growth area. And, you know, I'm not saying this application may be approved, but for the next one, but you have, you have a say here in what this community looks like because we are updating our zoning code. And so let's talk about scale. Let's talk about size. Let's talk about, you know, the sense of community that you would like to see here because no growth isn't an option, <laughs> right? right? So if it's going to happen, you know, let's talk, you know, about the things that, you know, you, you do have, you know, control over in crafting these regulations, you know, for the tier two, two growth areas. Um, and, and a lot of people responded to that in the end, you know, after the, you know, 20 minutes for each person getting to that point for them to understand. And I think we got like some really good comments and um, I think that was good. Um, I think also, Steve, you may want to, depending on how many people actually do show up, right? Sometimes we can get prepared for it and then nobody, that was it, you know, at this meeting, yep. everybody showed up for that. Um, but if you wanted to set a timeline, it's totally up to you. Um, I will be remote um, next week. Um, so I will be over Zoom, but Alan and Michael will be present. We will be in the community room, um, which isn't great if there is a large crowd, but we don't really have another option. Um, and hopefully I didn't scare you all away that suddenly you're all going <laughs> to be sick. So is the community room different? Yeah, it's bigger than this. Bigger. It's bigger than the, last, the last time. More chairs. Yeah, across the street. Across oh, the street. Steve, you haven't been in there yet. Aha. That's why right. yeah, the community room is much better and bigger, um, open and airy, but it's um, definitely still not big for, I would say you could fit like 30 people maybe sitting, not comfortably, but that's about it. Um, and that's approximately what we had for land delay, um, if you recall. Um, so maybe, you know, this was what everybody took off for and came to this meeting and it was conveniently in Stagecoach too, right? Um, maybe they'll zoom in. I'm not sure. Um, so we're gonna, you know, make the best and do with, you know, what we, what we have <laughs> to work with. Um, and then we have, um, I don't believe anything's scheduled on the 20th, but Michael, I sent you a text. I don't know if you were able to get back to me. Were you able to schedule anything, Michael, for your application? Not yet. Um, I will look at what dates work for that application. Because you can ideally meet the 20th deadline, correct? 
Yeah, so the next meeting that I would be able to meet would be three weeks from now, I believe. Does that sound right? Something Don't like you have a public notice. So that would be that would right. be since the twentieth. So, I'm just saying we have nothing scheduled for the twentieth. Yeah, I think um, the twentieth is what I was thinking. Okay, so as soon as you coordinate that with the applicant, just let planning commission know as soon as possible. Hey, we are scheduling this. Um, and then we have the following week on an off day, you saw the emails for the joint work session on module one on Wednesday, the 26th at 6 p.m. The locations to be determined, it will either be in the community room, but if the BCC hearing room is up and running at that point, it will be in the BCC, but we will provide you that information. And um, at this point, we're feeling good about the code update and the module one. We intended to um, include this overlay information and what we're gonna do with these targeted two growth areas, which is West Steamboat, Hayden and Stagecoach in this module, even though it was planned for module two. Um, we are still on the fence if we're gonna try to include it for you at the work session, which will probably, we, we intend to talk about it. We don't know if we'll be ready to adopt it, but we're just touching the surface. We knew this was gonna be the biggest challenge um, for the code update process. And like I said, we've gotta go through all the feedback that we had heard and had some good information. Um, so um, uh, it may be included um, for adoption, but we will definitely talk about it on the 26th. So the intent on the 26th is really go through um, all the outreach that we've had up until this point and present that to you all. We have like the in introduction and the powers and duties sections, you know, all the administrative type stuff wrapped into module one. And then also utility scale solar will be, um, you can expect to um, have that on the adoption schedule. And then, as I said, we'll touch the surface and feel if we are ready to move forward for adoption, which we could, by the way, um, just as a reminder, with the rolling adoption, we have this essentially opportunity to adopt something, but knowing that through the rolling adoption of the three modules, we have a second and third chance to evaluate and fix things through the overall adoption at the end. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, and then I don't believe we have anything scheduled, but Michael and Alan, I don't know if you have anything that you feel could be potentially scheduled on the third. Um, I don't think I have anything. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I do either. Okay. So that's not to say don't scratch that off the books yet, because like we said, anything can come at any time. Um, and um, I think that is all I have for our updates. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. Special Thank dinner on next meeting. Can we, we're going to have like Cafe Diva or something. <laughs> Extra big uh, cooks for Bill, please. Um, why don't you make your request right now and we will. Since it's going to be such a, a contentious meeting, we might have to be like. 
extra well fed. Okay, we'll take that under advisement there, Andy. And um, <laughs> um, I'm sure we can make, I'm sure we can make something happen. Special O's and double <laughs> Sounds great, guys. Okay, there we're done. Thank you. Adjourn. Thank Yo. you. Good. Have a good evening. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have to hit. Bye, all. Okay, so I have to hit the stop button, right? The stop button. Hey, before you do that, I got a quick question for Christy. Christy, can you hear me? I can. Did you have any um, corrections to those, uh, to the last set of minutes? What were they from the 15th? Um, I... Sally, Sally sent me hers, and but I never got anything from you. I'm just checking. Yeah, I checked her work actually, and I didn't send you the email and I didn't have anything else to correct. That was the one where my- There were some typos and stuff, but there wasn't anything, yeah. And I think it was just a matter of the um, scratching the comments about something going to planning uh, the board. No, I it, didn't. Yeah, none of I didn't include any of that. Okay. Yeah. So I was fine then. Otherwise. Okay. All right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll send those off. I just realized I didn't realize till today, and then I just looked today and realized that I hadn't gotten anything from you. So, okay. All good. Awesome. Okay. Cool. See ya. Cool. Bye. Okay. Bye. So wait, wait, wait. So wait. which button do I hit? Is it the pause <laughs> button or the stop button? No, you can just hit you can just hit the like end meeting. Uh, the red it'll automatically the red and that'll automatically quit recording. Okay, I'm gonna hit end. And then okay. you're gonna leave this. Bye. 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 Bye.